0: Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Man, it's so good to see you.
1: <laughs> it is.
0: It's, I haven't been seeing you for the last hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, we've had some audio issues. We're just going to skip right past that because we've got a whole episode to talk about. We're super excited. It's episode 18. We're rearing into the end of season one. Rearing. <laughs> <laughs> Are we rearing? Are we
1: wearing, yeah. or are we limping? It looks
0: know. like I'm. It looks like I'm punching into. Yes. Oh, this is where I start to sell manic. Anyways, <laughs> that's a that's a real issue. So let's not let's not be. Let's not be unkind with that. Uh, But anyways, before we jump into episode 18, which is called Oh Susanna, I owe you two outstanding items from our last episode, Nashville Bound, where Charlene uh, was maybe kind of going to become a country music singer. Okay. Okay. So the first thing that we had talked about was... Uh, You were giving us a primer on the Grand Ole Opry and your really, really, really wonderful extra sugar. And as part of that, we started talking about the Ryman, which was the home of the Grand Ole Opry before they actually had the Grand Ole Opry house. And we weren't sure when that was established. So I looked that up as promised. And the Ryman first opened its doors in 1892. And it did serve as the home of the Grand Ole Opry from 1943 to 1978. So. Oh wow. One homework assignment up, one homework assignment down and on to number 2. A plus. This one Oh, thank you. This one is um a a, a little it's a little it was a weird one because we got a mention that I didn't even catch. You did. It was so good job. It was of the Fuller Brush Company. This was something that Charlene's mom mentions. And uh, they were like uh, door-to-door salespeople of uh, personal care items, including hairbrushes. And I... I had mentioned that it sounded like just from you describing it, that if I was to look at my grandfather's hairbrush, that it's probably like the ones that they sold. So um, don't have access to his hairbrush right now, do have access to the interwebs, um, (laughs) did a little browsey, browsy, And what I wound up finding was that what I saw there does look an awful lot like his, surprising uh, price point Mm, really? Seven, um, $70.
1: Holy moly, for a hairbrush?
0: Yeah, I do think there's a lifetime guarantee, but that's still, I don't know. <laughs>
1: that's how I like my hairbrushes with a lifetime guarantee.
0: <laughs> this is very important. So, um, and then uh, I wanted to say too that as we were talking about it, we sort of insinuated that it was just hairbrushes that they were selling door to door my reading of their very thorough online history is that it was actually more like cleaning brushes for like crown molding, uh, washing your vegetables. I mean, just like everything that you can imagine. So
1: <laughs> we're a full service brush company.
0: I just want to make sure everyone understands what was going on in 1926. Perfect. Yes. And then Like, okay, so this reference in 2021 was totally lost on you and I, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, But one thing that I thought was really cool in their history that shows just how baked into the culture that this group was, there were actually not one, but two different movies featuring very famous people from the time. And the whole movie centered around them being fuller brush men. Or in one case, Fuller Brush Girl. Yeah, so there was first a movie with Red Skelton called The Fuller Brush Man. He's like a down and out on his luck salesperson shenanigans. And then um, a couple of years later, Lucille Ball starred in basically the same movie, but she's a down and out saleswoman. Mm -hmm. who works for the Fuller Brush Company. And the name of that movie was The Fuller Brush Girl. So. Well, did you watch both of those? It almost sounds like something I would do. They could be delightful. Who knows? But I didn't have time. And here's a powerful transition. Because I was watching episode 18. Oh, Susanna.
1: (laughs) And and for O oh Susanna, our Hulu episode description is Suzanne brings a new meaning to mother love when she agrees to become a temporary foster mother. The air date was march twenty third, nineteen eighty-seven. It was written by LBT and it was directed by Matthew Diamond, whose filmography includes Golden Girls. Ooh. Gilmore Girls <laughs>
0: And Jane the Virgin. (laughs) One of those you sounded less excited about, but we'll let the the, audience decide.
1: Jane the Virgin's cute. It's just no Gilmore Girls or Golden Girls. I hear you. So you want to dive in? You want to just get into it? You know what? Why don't we? Let's just... There's so much. So the cold open of this episode, I think, really sets up really the entire episode. It comes out that... Julia and Suzanne were at Reese's signing some legal paperwork, and there was an opportunity for Suzanne to foster a child. It sounds like a Vietnamese refugee child. Um, In the episode, they referred to the child as a quote, Vietnamese boat child. Um, Suzanne enthusiastically, maybe, signs up to be the foster parent. And the real kicker is. The kid is coming today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, not today, today, but today in 1987. Right. Our favorite today. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd say that all the ladies are very surprised. And, and I'd say that we're probably surprised just based on the Suzanne that we've met and learned about to this point. Yeah. And, and loved. Loved. So. Very
1: much. Very mm-hmm. much loved. Um Yeah, so she seems enthusiastic. She seems Mm -hmm. confident.
0: Really confident.
1: She is ready to go. Um, She's got Consuela on the line, prepared to make every kid's favorite food. I know that from the missing script alert. Oh, oh, tell me about it. Actually, it might have been in the actual script. She says she's going to have Consuela make a goose over pate but what's missing from the episode I think is that Mary Jo responds with something like good choices. Those are the two things my kids can't get enough of.
0: Uh, Ah, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, I have
1: one observation here before we move into the next piece of the act, which is Charlene's desk setup was so noticeably different in this episode. Did you notice it?
0: (laughs) I didn't, but walk me through it.
1: Um, in most episodes she's had this very big wicker chair kind of like behind her head and in this episode it was a very normal chair there was no big wicker chair and I mean like she's had that wicker chair throughout most of this first season right Um, and then there was something different about the bookshelf behind her and then when they pan around to the like the first floor of sugar bakers a lot looks different And I think I've read somewhere, and I tried to dig it up again for this episode and couldn't really find it. But I think I've read that the set changes a lot over that first season. Again, because if you've never heard this, some of the episodes were filmed out of order and aired out of order.
0: It's funny that you say that because I've heard that some of the episodes were filmed out of order (laughs) and then aired out of order.
1: (laughs) It's what I've heard. (laughs) it's what I've heard so I wonder actually if this so we talked about um in the breast cancer scare episode that that one seemed to be almost written in real time um LBT was writing it over the holiday season when she was home with her family and the episode aired in like February I wonder if this episode actually was filmed maybe before the cancellation or something or the hiatus or something
0: oh yeah maybe
1: I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's just interesting. They went over to Charlene, and I was like, something's different here. Yeah. Just so much looked different.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a noticeable chair, so I feel silly that I didn't see it. I'll pay more attention next time. Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs)
1: Um, So that one was really bothering me. wanted to check that off the list. Uh, So then we get into it. We get Mm -hmm. into her waiting to meet this little girl um she's brought her a briefcase every little mm-hmm. girl's dream um and is ready to go julia i think it was julia maybe mary joe someone calls her out on the briefcase and like kids don't carry them and she said we'll get her some little luggage wheels she can roll it around the
0: school which is always popular <laughs> uh but it is a louis vuitton briefcase does that count oh, was
1: Oh, I see. I didn't notice that. I noticed the wicker chair missing. It takes two, baby. <laughs> so she's got this briefcase. Then she's worried she hasn't checked her makeup before this little girl sees her for the first time. So she leaves the room and tells everybody else, just stall for me. I'm going to go check my makeup. Stall for me. And this is when we get the introduction to the little girl. Her name is Lee Singh. And
0: I think she's adorable. Oh, yeah the cutest
1: she is a killer cutie and also incidentally
0: a baptist like charlene that's right they have an instant connection they
1: do it's um she's adorable she's super charming Um, she meets all of the women in turn and then suzanne comes into the room and finally meets her and their first meeting is the little girl giving her a giant hug and
0: calling her mama oh yeah and right there I think we all know it's going to be a tough episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it it did get tough. Did you have any initial reactions to their meeting?
0: Uh, no. I mean, that was that was pretty much it. Me just knowing that I was that the designing women was going to make me cry. Okay. So.
1: I thought I thought it was so funny to set this whole episode. Maybe this is in retrospect, but it felt like on Suzanne's side, it was still very professional. Like. She's giving the girl a briefcase. She goes to check her makeup because she's going to meet this new person. I'm putting it in quotes because I'm thinking like you would a client and -hmm. she just wants to look her best. And the little girl immediately breaks down that barrier and is like, reminder, I'm a little girl and I'm looking for a family. And it immediately sets up this episode of something very, like you said, very emotional, very tough to watch at times.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. So after that, they go to Suzanne's house, and they're in Suzanne's manor, mansion, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> I like uh, manor. That sounds manor. right. They're at Manor de Suzanne, and they're getting ready for bed. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when the little girl tells her that she, uh, she also sings. She can sing. And she sings the song, Oh, Susanna. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh.
0: Well, at this point, it's just foreshadowing. But yeah. and just kind of sweet and you just kind of get the idea like they're sort of laying the groundwork that, you know, this girl is like um, she's uh, not only is she the things that we said, but she's clever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's kind of an old soul, I think. So oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, also, I noted, too, that, you know, we haven't been in Suzanne's house except for episode three. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time that we've been upstairs um, and I, I actually, uh, I was hoping maybe I could share like what stood out for me, mm-hmm. um, and see if anything did for you. But I would just say overarching is that we kind of get a, like a little sneak peek at Suzanne's, um, sentimental side. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, she has all of her beauty pageant crowns. Um, and, and you can say what you want about that, but that is a sentimental thing, mm-hmm. you know, like um, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, she has lots of pictures of her family. Um, we see a pillow from her grandma, uh, and she, it's, it's one that, so her grandma made it for and sewed something on it. And it says, dear little one, I wish two things to give you roots, to give you wings Um, which is going to wind up being a little bit more foreshadowing for the episode. Hmm.
1: So to go to the crowns real quick, because Lee Uh Singh is a little girl. So the crowns catch her eye. And she asks immediately if she can wear one, um, which I thought was really sweet. And then she shares that um, her whole family is in heaven, Mm -hmm. including, I think she said, a baby brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And he died in the orphanage.
0: Yeah, it's really like it's really sad. And I th- I think that was uh, the other thing you see that's good. Like they're connecting, right? She's like asking her some really pointed things about like who these people are, and it's the pictures of Suzanne's family, and then she shares the story. and And I think we're what we're seeing here is really the walls coming down for Suzanne. Yeah. Like you said, it's all business at first. Yeah. And when we get to this point and we're talking about a real human being who's been through some real stuff and it's such a young age, I mean, I think that it's really, it's like we're seeing Suzanne change over the course of an episode.
1: Yeah. Just to wrap this act up, uh, the little girl wants to sleep with Suzanne. Um, You could understand why. I'm sure there's been some trauma and to have someone Mm -hmm. close to her probably would mean a lot. And she wants to wear the crown to bed, which I fully understand. Suzanne also fully understands and has tips for her to make for the maximum sleeping situation.
0: Well, although she thought that she's ever done that before. Well, no, no. (laughs) Wink, wink.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that really takes us out of the sack.
0: The next part of the episode, we really get to see Suzanne as mom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's unclear how much time has gone by exactly, but it's been a little bit, uh, and, and basically she is, uh, she's spoiling Leasing a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, we'll spoil her, uh, because you know what? <laughs> Hopefully folks have already watched the episode. Uh, the way, the, the way that this part really plays out is Suzanne And Lee Singh learn that the adoption papers wind up going through more quickly than expected. And so Lee Singh is going to have to be uh, going to Alabama with her adoptive parents. And they're kind of getting their time cut short here is essentially what's going on. One thing we learn also when this act opens is that Suzanne is throwing Lee Singh weekly birthday parties. I'm in. So, well... (laughs) For myself. I could definitely, well, and I feel like in your thirties is when you really start to deserve that, because <laughs> life's a little rough. So I would call that, though, in this case for a parent, I, I as, as a non-parent though, I would call that a warning, a little bit of a concerning sign, or something that really struck me. And so I thought that's maybe how we could have this conversation: is talk about like in this part of the show before they find out that she's going to have to leave early. What are we seeing that might be concerning or what stood out to you? So there's the weekly birthday parties. Anything else for you? The fact that this seven or
1: eight year old is dressed exactly like Suzanne down to the pink dress suit. Um, <laughs> Suzanne being super protective over the spelling test. Because her mm-hmm. teacher gave her, I think, an A-minus because she misspelled tractor. And giving Lee Sing the master charge card. What? <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Now, did you, did the part where she shows up at the door and she's in the exact same outfit as Suzanne? Because they do it like they hide it from us and they bring Lee Sing in. So that we don't know that she's going to be dressed like Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that revealed? That, was that cute to you? Did it creep you out? How did you feel?
1: Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Now yeah. that you're asking the question, I'm wondering if I should have felt a little toddlers and tiaras about it. But uh-huh. I thought it was adorable.
0: It, I mean, it was played super cute. So I, I definitely didn't have a problem with it in the course of the show. I think... But it is sort of this body of evidence, if you will, that S- Suzanne is, she's gonna, she's setting herself up, although she don't, I don't think she quite realizes it yet for a really tough time. Yeah. Um, I caught on to all of those things. I will add one additional thing is that, you know, I, I think you noticed it in the last episode that, you know, Julia is being a little tough on people in the office. And, um, and, and I think that she's done some things in recent episodes that have us like, uh, but she does seem to return as a little bit of a voice of a reason, uh, excuse me, a voice of reason here. Um, she notes concern with Suzanne's behavior and, um, Su- but Suzanne says everything is fine. She's not looking to raise this little girl, right. uh, but her actions are not aligning with the words that are coming out of her mouth.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh I did I did want to note at this uh birthday party too, she didn't just get a MasterCard. She got another gift.
1: Well she got a doll from Anthony. That's the gift you're talking about, right?
0: Oh absolutely. The doll, (laughs) the MasterCard, the pony. Oh wait a second.
1: The pony, the pony. Right, right. Which one of these is not like the other?
0: (laughs) It's hard to say when your list includes a charge card. (laughs) It's true. So it's also confusing. Um, but, you know, I think we also uh, had a missing lines alert. I know you do a lot of comparisons with the scripts as well. Um, we lost a line that I think was probably Anthony's about not even being able to be approved for a credit card. Oh, um, wow. This is after Charlene. It was a funny line. She's like, I don't even have a limit that high. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, but the one I think is actually critical to the episode is when Lee Sing blows out her candles, she says out loud that she wishes that she could stay with Suzanne forever. Aww. Yeah. And so, um, not to blow past that moment, because it was, it, I mean, well, that moment that never happened for us to see. Right. <laughs> but, um, in the next scene after that is where we learn this other piece about the adoption paperwork going through mm-hmm. and m- much as quickly as she came into Suzanne's life, she'll be leaving just as quickly. Uh, this will be their last night together. Ugh. Um, so, but this whole, this whole part, they're stopping by, uh, because they were on the way to the zoo. They stop by and, um, the sugar bakers and that's where they find out the news and to wrap this one up i just the scene up i just wanted to know if there was anything there at this part that stood out for you uh the only thing that caught my
1: attention was leasing said yes ma'am when mary Jo offered her an ice cream sandwich so she mm-hmm. is already fully into the training i would imagine suzanne would be giving her on etiquette
0: well, and it's very much so, I think, that something that you and I probably heard a few times when we were little is that she says yes to Mary Joe, and she is prompted by Suzanne, yes, yes what? <laughs> and our answer was always yes, ma'am, but because we're learning Suzanne's a little extra, her full response from Lee seeing that we get is, yes, ma'am, bad manners are worse than having no money. <laughs> Well, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, The only other thing I was going to note, and this is just a plug for folks to stay around for this week's Extra Sugar, we get a little bit of a product placement. um, Is the whole thing that actually drives Suzanne and Lee Singh back to Sugar Bakers. And it's that um, Lee Singh has forgotten her Teddy Ruxpin. Um, So... I know that it sounds like you had some things at Suzanne's house. Then again, final night. Um, anything in particular here that stood out to you?
1: This whole scene was tough for me to watch. Uh, there's a part mm-hmm. where Leasing is on her knees praying and basically prays, um, that like she wishes she could stay with Suzanne and or if that's not possible could they find a way to get her pony to Alabama so she can still have her pony um, <laughs> which was really cute but the way that Suzanne is gazing at her and like looking at her so adoringly I just felt that look in my soul it was just um, I, I don't, in my opinion and in my experience I feel like it's the way I find myself looking at my kids all the time which is sort of like this like combination of like amazement and love and adoration. Um, and I felt like all of those things crossed Delta Burke's face in that one moment. Um, and it just, like you said, bringing us full, almost full circle to Delta, like to this character, um, to see that, that um, development happening in this episode was really cool.
0: It was, and I mean, we sort of get like pulled through all of these emotions and I think that's what they, they want from us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we get kind of like, um, some funny moments and we get like the emotional notes. Um, I did think the thing with the pony was funny, like, just try and get that pony over there if you can. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but I also, uh, thought that it was funny when she's, because she's, uh, she being Lee Singh is, is really trying to kind of, uh, make a case staying mm-hmm. you know she wants to stay because of school she wants to stay because of Suzanne all of these things and I just think it's so funny because she says she really likes it here uh, what about Dora Maud, who every day in the lunchroom says hey Lee Singh you gonna get you another big biscuit <laughs> <laughs> to which I was like sign me up for this school where they're getting biscuits biscuits <laughs> so- just the way she said it and her interpretation of a southern accent was
1: adorable
0: it was so cute and much better than me trying to hear anybody else trying to do a southern accent when they botch it
1: <laughs> yeah it was adorable
0: yeah so it, it, it just a fantastic scene um and uh you know really hear they say they're they say good night but there's something else one last thing that i noticed which is that they both told each other that they, they said, I love you. Yeah. So, you know, we are really connected at this point. And Suzanne and, tucks that pillow from her grandmother into
1: Lee Singh's bag.
0: Good call. Yeah. Um, so she's giving, I mean, I would say um, going back to the scene before, the last time that they were in um, her room, that first night that she stayed. I, I'm going to hazard a guess that that pillow is the most important thing to her in that room. Yeah. So um, I think it really shows just how special Lee leasing is. And I think it is a little preview for how difficult tomorrow is going to be.
1: And the next day really is hard. It's so hard, in fact, that Suzanne doesn't show up. She and Lee Singh are nowhere to be found when the adoptive parents have shown up from Alabama. They're just MIA. Yeah. It's no good. So Julia takes a call that they are at a like restaurant of some kind that has like video games or whatever. Um and Suzanne just I, I think she's just a call for help. She needs she needs help. So Julia shows up to help, and she shows up to Lee saying, comforting Suzanne. Oh, my God, how sad was that? Yeah. Um, So Suzanne basically shares that she feels like this is the first person in her life that has loved her just for her. That sort of, like, pure childlike love where they know nothing about, you know, um the things you know in your personality that are difficult or they don't know about um, those other things that you know you've struggled with your whole life kids just don't know that stuff they just know that you're funny you give them a pony you um, let them wear the tiara at night and she's gotten very used to that Um, she and julia share some a really nice conversation where julia shares no like mom and i love you that way too Um, but I think for Suzanne, that's just something she feels like she's never had before. Um, so Julia ends up giving her a little bit of a pep talk. You know, I've been a little down on the Julia train lately. This was Mm -hmm. nice. This Mm -hmm. was nice. And I will say she finally does something. She delivers one of her signature truths, but she did it really softly. So she said like, I'm going to say something to you and I'm saying it because I love you. And I, I hope you hear it that way. And that is for the first time in your life, do something for someone else. Don't put yourself first. And, um, that, that was a light bulb moment for Suzanne, I think. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was an example of how Julia can take this like bulldog approach. She can take this, um, knows everything approach and deliver it in a kind way or a way that people can receive because it was the truth Suzanne needed to hear but it wasn't brash and harsh.
0: Yeah, I thought I, I totally agree with you. The only thing I felt like where she was a little, a a little harsh was leading up to that moment where she just cut straight to the point with her and was like, you need to do something for someone else. um, Is that she basically says, "I, I just don't think you're cut out to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I, A, I don't know. I agree with that. I think, um, I think, uh, Suzanne has some lessons to learn and I think that she should probably adjust some things, but most parents probably have to adjust some things over time. I mean, she was only doing it for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that she's shown that, uh, she has a great deal of care and love she has means and uh the ability and opportunity to take care of a child if she so wanted to uh so i think that was my only uh hang up on what julia said but you know uh, oh go ahead i'm gonna be honest with you i might have blacked out there um
1: and -hmm. just completely blanked out what she was saying you were totally right she did call into question all of that and there was that really awful backhanded compliment like you're really good at Something I'm sure,
0: yeah, it it was it was a little bit of um, a tough start, but mm-hmm. it was also a really hard conversation. And mm-hmm. um, I do think it's just really that whole area is just a really hard thing to talk about, especially Julia's coming in. She does have a child. Suzanne's not had a child to this point, may never have one from the conversation that they're having. and I think those are a lot of big, things that start rattling around in your head around Suzanne's age, who just turned 30, I hear. I'm sorry. Twenty-nine. <laughs> um, but I, I think that Julia's not wrong on some of these things about her not her needing to be careful about being selfish because I I saw some red flags leading up to this conversation. When Julia comes in, we see Lee Singh comforting Suzanne yeah it's played sweet in this moment but I'm telling you Nikki if they change that lighting and remove the laugh track we'd have a lifetime movie on our hands
1: oh yeah for sure it's um it's that it's that role that classic role reversal that I think the point you're making is a really big red flag that there is an emotional um inequality there or instability that's not supposed to
0: exist well, it's also clear that Suzanne is mixed up. She's thinking, uh, you know, you were talking about how she loves the way leasing makes her feel. Mm-hmm. But that's not what parents do. Yeah. I'm not saying that isn't a component, but it, it's about what a child needs. Mm -hmm. Again, I want to be cautious, I always want to be cautious of wading into the parenting waters. um, Because that's not really necessarily for me to say, since it's not my lived experience, but I have been a child of a person (laughs) before. So I do have that experience. Um, And so that was just something that really struck me here. Um, You want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the pillow comes up because Julia does see that sticking out of the bag.
1: I thought this was kind of a this was a throwaway conversation to me, honestly. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> where Julia basically says, "I see that you're giving her the pillow from Grandma," and then she reads the quote back, and I don't remember what the words were, but wings and things, and we've had those. And
0: <laughs> okay, now I just want kick <laughs> <laughs> and chicken. Uh, and uh,
1: th- this is where it comes out from Suzanne that she thinks she's never. She says specifically, "I, I may never have a little girl." um mm-hmm. and so she give she wants to give the pillow to Lee Singh and Julia says I think grandma would that would have meant a lot to grandma basically
0: mm-hmm. but you know i think I, I had a couple of thoughts here um it's interesting that it struck you as a throwaway because i kind of looked at it as a button um when Lee Singh gets a hold of that pillow earlier on in the show and she reads it, she asks Suzanne what it means. Mm -hmm. And it took me a few watches because the first time I heard Suzanne say, she like started to try and explain it to her. And she was like, uh, uh, you'll, you'll understand when you're older, which is something parents do. I agree with that. But what struck me here is I'm not sure that Suzanne understood.
1: Yeah, I think that's true.
0: Okay. Until right here. And in this moment, so by giving her wings and getting her to her adopted parents, she is giving her roots and therefore fulfilling the <clears throat> platitude that's on this pillow. It's right. a sweet one though. Um, and, uh, and then I thought it was really nice too, because this is when Julia tells her, um, now you know what it feel like to be a mother.
1: You and I are different TV watchers. I'm very practical. I'm like, is Lee Singh going with this other family or is she staying with Suzanne? That's what I, I got to get to the bottom of that. I got to know, where is this going to end? So when they're talking about the pillow, I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I saw like when they were talking about the pillow back in Suzanne's room two scenes ago or whatever, I was like, Lee Singh's going to end up with that pillow. All right. We figured that one out. Now, what's going to happen with Lee (laughs) Singh? So I was, I was still holding out hope for a twist that Lee Singh was going to get to stay.
0: Okay, I was one, that was going to be my question, but you answered it. Because I guess this, so a couple of things is, uh this is an episode that I remember. Oh. So I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to remember the little pieces, but mm. I knew we didn't get an extra cast member after this right. one. So. <laughs> I would have uh,
1: welcomed this little girl because she was adorable.
0: Oh my gosh, just the absolute cutest. So,
1: um.
0: So then they leave the restaurant
1: and get back to Sugar Baker's and they got to the, do the handoff. They got to do the handoff. Let's rip this Band-Aid off and just say, uh, Suzanne decides to do the right thing. She decides to send Lee Sing on her way. Um, and she sends her along with with this family with a couple of special tips. <laughs> things that Lee Sing likes. She likes silk sheets. She likes caviar on saltines. She has hot chocolate before bed every night. And she likes sleeping in a tiara. And so she's tucked one away in the suitcase for her.
0: I mean, I think I'm going to test this out. You know what? I think we both should. Sleep in tiaras? We should do everything on this list. I don't... Oh, We should do that. That's a thought. Mm -hmm. And then get back to each other and see if we've, like, discovered what real life is.
1: Your homework for me is
0: equally... (laughs)
1: More fun and more expensive than my homework is for you.
0: <laughs> well, we might have to update ours from silk sheets to clean sheets. <laughs> I, don't think I, could, be... I don't think I could afford the silk sheets.
1: <laughs> clean sheets would be quite an indulgence. That's true. <laughs> um, so Lee Singh ends up leaving and she leaves mm-hmm. singing Oh Susanna as the door closes behind her.
0: Oh, God. And I don't want to cheapen the moment, but I mean, if people don't know the words to Oh, Susanna, it, you know, don't you cry for me. I'll be gone to Alabama with a banjo on my knee. But I think she sings the verse that's like, I'll be coming back from Alabama, oh, I think is yeah. the one, which is probably at the tail end of the song. Yeah. Um. And so... Even on her way out, and I've got covered in chills right now. She's comforting Suzanne. Yeah, she's just a little angel on earth. She is. She's. She's also. You said
1: earlier in this episode that she is an old soul. She has obviously seen a lot. And we're talking about a character. I'm still gonna let myself get swept up in it. She's seen a lot. This. I think mm-hmm. it's. I think there are a lot of kids that have been through life like this, especially the kids who end up in foster situations who have seen things that full grown adults haven't seen. And oftentimes right. the types of adults that end up adopting these children haven't seen and can't fathom. So I think I, I I do see it as a red flag that she was having to comfort Suzanne, but it also feels very full circle to her character that she would be because that's it seems like that's just the kind of person that she is. She's seen a lot, she knows she knows what rough life is.
0: And with all that she's been through, man, give her two weeks with hot chocolate every night and oh, a little yeah. caviar and a saltine. I, well, she's a pony earned that? here or there. Just
1: one. It's just one. I write. They didn't give her a whole stable full. It's fine. God so bless her. She's very sweet. And with that, the episode wraps up and Suzanne didn't get, didn't get her, um, her new child. And, she had to say goodbye.
0: And that was the end, and then we fell apart. So Nikki, mm-hmm. it's harder to say this after such a sad episode, but um, are you ready to rate this sucker? I
1: am. Are you?
0: I am. Uh, are you coming in with a rating scale, d- a hot and fresh rating scale? I have one. Ooh,
1: I have bedtime tiaras.
0: Oh, that's cute. Okay. I'm going to, I want to go with that one too. Oh, but what was yours? Teddy Ruxpin's. Oh, that's cute. I love Teddy Ruxpin. I
1: am given this episode. Brace yourself. Are you sitting down? Mm Mm-hmm. Five out of five. A perfect score. It was wonderful. I loved watching Suzanne embrace her maternal side. Lee Singh was perfection on earth. She was just the most charming. I imagine that casting director, when they came across that little girl, knew they had struck gold because she's adorable, super charming, uh, so cute. Um, It was just a really well-done episode. We haven't really had that many that focused around Suzanne and around her as a character in all her flaws, but also in all her growth. So I was really excited mm-hmm. to have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I feel like we've had a lot of like, it's like a rubber band, but then pulls back, but then it snaps and it was, she was the same. Right, 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 right. So it was cool to see that change. So I'm five out of five too. Wow. Um, I think this is, this might be my second. It's your first, for sure. I think it's my first, yeah. Yeah, I think I also may have given Slumber Party a perfect score. Oh, I think you did. That sounds right. Um, so same thing for me, Lee Singh, is just the tops. And I love the silly things that Suzanne was doing as a mom. Um, I loved all the emotional parts, seeing Suzanne be vulnerable. Um, and, you know, while she was being exposed extravagant and I think we could all agree she might need to dial it back just a little um so the kid doesn't turn into an absolute monster (laughs) um there's like I said earlier there's no reason that she couldn't adopt if that's what she wants to do yeah um you know she has the means uh and help and I just didn't really agree with what Julia said there uh but that was pretty much it so did you find any 80s things you want to share Wait, I had some combo things.
1: Oh! You explained it. I know. You explained it so eloquently to me last time that I think I understand now. All right. But now I'm trying to remember why I put my first thing in. Oh, oh, my first thing is in a combo because it was unknown and also uh-huh. 80s. And okay. it was the concept of Vietnamese boat children. Okay, I was not familiar with that Um, at a very high level it is this idea of mass exodus of Vietnamese people from Vietnam following the Vietnam War and um, there was I believe uh, an uptick in the 80s um, of the number of refugees from Vietnam
0: was that on your list somewhere too? It was, mm -hmm, it was references I had to look up to. I am assuming that both of us went, why in the world did they just call this person a boat child? Yes. But this was literally the term that they were using at the time, not just for children, but anyone that was um, really, you know, what that was a refugee and was just looking for a way out because uh, from what I read and we can link to some articles, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, there's just no good
1: transition my second combo was 80s and southern it was lee sing's outfit when she was leaving she was wearing um i i probably had like five easter outfits like this i bet you did too uh she had a little hat with a bow she had white uh i think she had white gloves maybe um I didn't wear white gloves, but I think she had them on. She had white tights and this adorable but really simple pastel dress. And Mm -hmm. that just – it took me immediately back to my childhood. Absolutely. Good call. Mm -hmm. So I guess you didn't have any combo items because I made such a big deal about it that you took it out.
0: No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just pleased as punch that I finally – it only took (laughs) – 18 episodes but i finally uh explained myself
1: (laughs) to be fair i think you only introduced combos in like episode 14 so it really wasn't that many thanks for making me feel better (laughs) um 80s obviously teddy
0: rexman and that was the only one okay uh i had arcade games as well because she was playing pac-man in the background I'm sure somebody's like that game was released in 1976. I don't maybe, but I think of it as an 80s thing. I don't care. You're probably correct. <laughs> but we have the microphones right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just get so snarky at 10:50.
1: We have the microphones in the Nearly Midnight Sass. Right?
0: And I'm like, and you can have it. <laughs> uh, uh Southern things.
1: Uh Suzanne mentioned the Azalea Festival. I didn't actually look up to see if this is a real thing. Um, but she said Azalea. That felt southern. Did no, you look did. it up?
0: I did. Okay, but go ahead.
1: Um, Andy Griffith. Um, this was there was a whole diatribe by Charlene about how she just wishes everybody could raise their kids the way Andy raised Opie. And I think she immediately talked herself out of it and into the fact that Andy Taylor is the most toxic father of all time. Um <laughs> I had Biscuits on my list Um, and just Birmingham, Alabama.
0: How did I not have Biscuit on my list after all that?
1: It's not Biscuit,
0: it's Biscuit. Have yourself a Biscuit. (laughs) Um, Was that everything on yours? That was it. Okay. Um, So there were a lot of references to what good breeding is. Yeah. We got the yes, ma'am one in the middle of the show, one that we didn't mention, but uh, Lee Singh says to Suzanne or maybe to her new mom, like when she pulls out like a linen hanky, Mm. oh, look, that's sign of good breeding. (laughs) So I don't know. It just feels Southern. Um, Oh, for crying out loud. Suzanne says that when she chips an L. Um, That feels like a Southern thing to say. Um, it may not be. Eh. And then I did look up the Azalea, Azalea festival. It is a real thing. It's in North Carolina. And actually, uh, uh, there are some famous previous Queens, uh, Kelly Ripa being one of them. Oh, funny. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess Suzanne was doing some traveling. Mm, maybe that makes sense though. Yeah. Uh, that's not, that's not too terribly surprising. So I think we had good crossover on the rest of them. And uh, you took, uh, you didn't take it. You already explained my reference. Um, so with the Vietnamese boat children. So thank you for doing that. And did you have any other references that you had to look up?
1: I had Kendall's, which is the restaurant or like bar thing where where um, Suzanne and uh, Lee Singh went. But I could, I could not find anything. I searched Kendall's. I searched Kimball's. Uh, I searched a bunch of different kind of options, and I couldn't really find anything. So I had something, but it's kind of a dead end. I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but I need you to understand my commitment to the show.
0: I appreciate your commitment, and I'm so sorry that we won't be getting a Nikki's Nibbles. That's N-I-B as in boy, B is in boy, L-E-S. I know. So. I know. I'm sorry about that. So now we're on to
1: episode 19. Mary Jo's dad dates Charlene.
0: Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think
1: the people have heard us say quite a bit lately. Not my favorite episode. I suspect we will be hearing that from Selena on this next one. As always, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. We're on um, Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Uh, as always, share your favorite Southern things. Um, you can email us at sweetteetvpod at gmail.com. You can visit us on our website at www.sweeteetv.com. That's the place where we dump all our junk, including references, links to fun articles, things like that. Um, and then as always, please, please, please tell your friends about us, um, and make sure that if you are listening to us, that you've subscribed so that you always know when we launch a new episode, um, and rate and review us so that other people can find us easily.
0: That's it. Yeah. Come see our crap. (laughs) Come listen to our crap. We love you. (laughs) Ah. And stick around for extra sugar where Nikki and I are going to talk a little Eighties toys. Mm. So we'll see you around the bend. All right, Nikki. It's that time. It's that time for extra sugar. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, this time we're going to focus on 80s toys. Ooh. And that's <laughs> ew! And that's because we get a blatant Teddy Ruxpin product placement in the episode. And I, I was going to ask you this question, but I think I already know that you do remember Teddy Ruxpin, yes? Absolutely. So that means you had one. Absolutely. Well, what if I told you I have a surprise?
1: You bought me a Teddy Ruxpin?
0: Well, I don't know if I bought you a Teddy Ruxpin, but what if I told you that I have here a Teddy Ruxpin?
1: Is that the OG Teddy Ruxpin?
0: No, my grandparents bought me one uh, when they reintroduced them in 07. I do have the initial one, but Casey made me put it away because it was very old and the eyeball fell out. Oh, God. <laughs> And it scared him, and he said, I had to put it away.
1: Good call, Casey.
0: So this is the less scary version, Teddy. For folks Shoot. who don't know, this was a toy released in 1985. It was a grand old year. A grand young year, excuse a me. Grand young year. hmm And so Teddy Ruxman was really amazing for the time because it was like, Kind of like a Teddy robot of sorts. And he, he tells stories and his mouth would move. And you put this thing called a VHS tape in the back of him. Mm-mm. And then. Cassette no? tape, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a cassette tape in the back of him. And he tells stories. He also had uh, movies and stuff that came along oh, with yeah. him. Uh-huh. Um, I still have one of those VHS cassettes because. Oh. There are a few things in my, Casey will tell you, I am a thrower. I will throw everything away. Mm -hmm. But there are a few sentimental things from my childhood that I can't get rid of. And this is one of them. I have a second surprise. Oh, you have two of them. Do you remember Grubby?
1: (laughs) Vaguely. Vaguely (laughs) I do
0: so so grubby is uh i think he was teddy ruxman's best friend i'm, I'm 36 guys so it's been, it's <laughs> i don't a minute. Mm-hmm, i do still know one of the songs but i will not treat you to that oh, but um he was one of teddy ruxman's best friends and uh they went on adventures together and it was glorious and as were the 80s so i just wanted to share a little a little show and tell with you Nikki. Thanks for doing that. My kids actually have a Teddy Ruxpin because there's
1: like a reintro introduction of him and my parents bought it for them and I think it is the creepiest thing I've nearly ever seen. <laughs> and I have a deep appreciation and memory of loving Teddy Ruxpin.
0: Well, things look different through children's eyes and I think that's what we're going to come around to in this segment. <laughs> that everything looks different. And I think we're just all much more jaded Yeah. at this point. So you get a little life experience under your belt and suddenly that talking bear just looks so
1: scary. It's the eyes. It's the eyes. And I'm with Casey. If the eye was popped out, I'd be terrified.
0: Uh, well, so I have a question before we jump into the actual true content of today's Extra Sugar, mm. um, which is something kind of weird that I stumbled upon. Uh, do you have any favorite eighties toys that you want to tell me about?
1: I have a few.
0: How much okay. time do we have? <laughs> well, I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. So Teddy Ruxpin is on that list. Um, mm-hmm. I also one that I recently rem- like rediscovered/slash remembered is Polly Pocket. Mm -hmm. I have very vivid memories of my Polly Pocket um, compact and I'm doing a hand motion for Selena uh, only because my mom recently bought Carolina a Polly Pocket a few Polly Pocket sets a few thanks mom tiny pieces and as I'm playing with it I'm remembering playing with my Polly Pockets so I had to look them up because I was telling Carolina how different it used to be Like it didn't, mm-hmm. I don't remember it feeling this way and it didn't do this so I had to look it up and I ended up down a rabbit hole in Polly Pocket so I'll say Polly Pocket is one um, and I was forever and always a Barbie girl um, I had a mm-hmm. huge collection of Barbies so I have two Barbie memories two toys I remember having in like the late 80s very early 90s One, a swimming pool that had a water slide. And the water, if I remember correctly, the water came down the water slide so Barbie could slide down it. I just remember thinking that was the coolest, snazziest thing. Sounds fancy to me. And then I had a dream house. I had the Barbie dream house. And I spent a lot of time recently looking it up because if there was one thing I wish my parents had kept from my childhood, it is this house. It was a three-piece house, it had skylights, Um, it had um, window planters, I think it had Mm -hmm. some of those. Um, And it was the most amazing house, I used to play with it for hours and I wish I could give that to my kids,
0: but my parents sold it at a garage sale, so I don't have it. I'm sorry, we've all uh, had something that we treasured sold at a garage sale. (laughs) so sad. (laughs) It's part of the experience. Um, so I actually think I may have had that same um, Barbie doll house. Um, I think it was like it was like the Malibu Dream House or something. like That might be like right. That. I think that's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So um, anything else that you wanted to share?
1: No, that's it. Those are the ones okay. that
0: pop to mind when I think of that that era. So I think the things that stood out for me is that the ones that I most closely associate with the 80s are usually all like also television shows or had movies Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was sort of the marketing package that was being done then. And I'm sure is being done now. You'll know more than I do. Um, uh, But mine would be Care Bears,
1: Mm.
0: My My Little Pony, Mm. Rainbow Bright, and Jim and the Holograms. Uh, so I knew this about you.
1: I remember the gem and the holograms because I'd never heard of them. Yeah, I mean, it was, told me
0: about them. it was a mid-80s feminist cartoon because she was a businesswoman by day and she was a rock star by night. Uh, and it doesn't get any more 80s than that. So uh, I actually was trying to look for some really kind of fun facts to share about some of these toys, but it turns out that most times toys are just toys. And I wound up stumbling across something else that struck my fancy and my interest more than anything else that I found. And it's a toy that did not land on your or my list, Mm. the Cabbage Patch Kid.
1: There's a very funny story to that. We took my daughter to get a Cabbage Patch doll um, last year. And it was a very big deal to my mom to buy it for her because my mom always wanted to buy one for me and my sister, but they were so expensive and so hard to come by that she was Mm -hmm. not able to do that. So this was like a dream come true for her to buy my daughter one. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. I remember y'all going, this is going to factor, y'all went to North Georgia, right? Mm This will factor into my story. So I'll ask for it. So just kind of be thinking about what that memory was like. Okay. And we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, So here's the thing. Cabbage Patch Kids were the most popular toy fad just a few er years earlier than what we saw in this episode. So it was um, debuted in 1983, and it winds up being one of the most popular toys of the entire decade. Here's a quick primer in case you don't know what a Cabbage Patch doll is. Um, They were and still are a -a one-of-a-kind doll with soft sculpted fabric bodies and vinyl heads, paying customers wouldn't just buy them, they could and still can, for the right price, adopt them, including customizing their name and their birth date. So that was like a really um, kind of uh, novel thing for the time mm-hmm. uh, that hadn't been seen before. And it took the toy world by storm. In fact, it sounds like what happened here pretty much kicks off the pandemonium that we know today is Black Friday. Oh. Yeah, it sort of starts with the Cabbage Patch Kid. Essentially, there wasn't enough supply that year when it debuted to meet the demand, with shoppers describing what took place as riots, massacres. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lines wrapped five times um, around buildings, reports of tramplings, Broken bones and adults snatching these toys from young kids' hands. Um, so, not that, not, we're not showing our best selves with this doll. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also some reports of local radio DJs who were having a field day and they were playing pranks on desperate parents and oh, sending them awful. to, uh huh, and sending to them to do like these wacky things. There was also a black market for these dolls. <laughs> Where they were going for as much as $2,000. Oh, my gosh. So now we know why you couldn't have one, Nikki. It's true. Well, one true. you weren't alive in 83. Right. <laughs> so number one. <laughs> right. First problem. Uh, I think you may already know this, but uh, are you aware of the Southern connection to Cabbage Patch Kids in terms of the origin story? I am. Okay. So what? tell me what you know.
1: So... I am remembering there is a young man and I want to say like 18 or 19 years old and I want to say North Carolina I feel like maybe I shouldn't tell my recollection maybe you should just tell the truth but now I'm committed so young man (laughs) he was like hand making them and then started selling them at like farmer's market sort of things and um, then ended up mass marketing them
0: did I get any of that right? You're pre- you are pretty close. So I'm gonna go to the there's two origin stories. One is like kind of like a mushroom trip. Okay. <laughs> and the other one is like actual real life is what you're talking about. But I wanna I was start with say, the
1: <laughs> I feel like there are three versions now, my version. <laughs> and those two. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like a gonna- random teenager in North Carolina. <laughs> hatching these things
0: (laughs) something (laughs) they're growing something um so this is the origin story the legend if you will that kids hear when they adopt a cabbage patch kid it states that a young boy named xavier roberts is led by a bunny bee oh what's a bunny bee you say (laughs) well a bunny bee (laughs) when you've done some drugs is it has the body of a bunny, but it zigs and zags like a bee. <clears throat> I don't know. Anyways, it leads this kid through a waterfall, down a long tunnel, and out into a magical land where a cabbage patch grew little children. This sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> so... As legend has it, he agrees in talking to one of the children to find loving homes for each of them, and until then, to build a magical place where they could live and play. You've been to that place. I have. Yeah, it exists in Cleveland, Georgia, and it is Babyland General Hospital. I've been to both. Okay. There was, again, Mm -hmm.
1: an OG version, and
0: Mm -hmm. there is a
1: new fancy version. I've been both.
0: right. I would, I went to the original version. So if you're from Georgia, there's a hot chance that you've been, (laughs) um, whether it be for a field trip or maybe you're just gone on a camping trip up in North Georgia, or maybe you're just lucky, whatever the case (laughs) is. Um, you know, you, you might find yourself at a, a hospital for dolls. The
1: first one was so creepy.
0: I was nine so I, I was like I, 18. Mm-hmm. Oh oh that's a terrible age for it that. It a
1: very different experience. I just it was very dark. It was very dingy. It was the the story you just told is played out like in this hospital and like mother tree was very creepy. It was spooky
0: yeah yeah it's kind of it kind of i'm sure if if again nine years old but if memory serves it's kind of like the really older rides at disney world or like even universal and they're kind of like yeah you know and their mouths just move funny and it's the animatronic animatronics are just really old so the new one is really nice Mm -hmm. the new one is a brand new
1: building it's gorgeous
0: uh yeah, so I did read that uh it's a 70,000 square foot space uh featuring a magic crystal tree where guests can watch a live delivery of the of the Cabbage Patch Kids. That's right, a delivery. Mm. Did you know that the first one was actually a turn of the century medical facility that was renovated? <laughs> I think it was haunted. Come on, I'd so I say, if, if that doesn't make it sound like a scary movie, I don't, like, I think I know I saw that scary movie. So um, anyway, so moving on, let's talk about the real life story that uh, isn't that fantastical mushroom trip. So <laughs> you were pretty close in your story. The young boy, Xavier Roberts, uh, in The Made Up Legend, is the person credited with creating the dolls. Uh, this happens in the mid to late 70s. Uh, he is an art student that's inspired by needle molding. It's a German technique for fabric sculpture. Uh, he winds up calling them little people. And like you said, like he was kind of, uh, not kind of, he was selling them at different art festivals is what they were. Um, and all of these were hand stitched at the time, which you can still get today, completely hand stitched, starting at $250. Oh my so. gosh. If you, if you feel so inclined, um, it sounds like, uh, he spends the next few years after creating these, um, uh, at these art shows, he does include this whole adoption concept, uh, even back then. And eventually him and some artist friends, they start a business and together they opened up Babyland General Hospital to the public. Um, he goes on to sell the toy company to Cola in 1982 and they start mass producing it then. And the rest is history, right? Mm Hmm. Well, since I say, right, you know, it's not true. (laughs) Um, here's where it gets tricky. Apparently part of the inspiration came from the design of an American folk artist from Kentucky named Martha Nelson Thomas, another Southern connection. So, she actually created dolls that she called doll babies. Um, They were also handmade. They were sold at craft fairs and people could adopt them for their very own. Mm. Something seems similar. No. Mm -hmm. So she didn't copyright hers though. So the bottom line is, is that Roberts did, he made millions. And they wound up in a little bit of a legal battle. And I say a little bit, but that's a little tongue in cheek because it actually lasted six years. They eventually settle for an undisclosed amount. And she said that it was enough to put her kids through college. Oh, good. Um, Yeah. Uh, Sadly, Thomas passed away in 2013. But this just sort of murkies up the water of the Cabbage Patch origin story, if you will. I've got... One last weird connection for you. Are you ready? Well, I don't know. Am I? Well, what if I told you that there is also a connection between Cabbage Patch Kids and the occult? Oh gosh. Uh huh. So, one such story starts with Texas evangelist Phil Phillips, who wrote a book in 1986 titled Turmoil in the Toy Box. <laughs> Amazon describes this book as dealing with ways toys and cartoons are being used to introduce the occult, violence, and pagan religions to millions of our children. Oh, no. I know. He is quoted as saying a great number of toys on the market today, especially the more popular ones, are based on some of the very ideas, namely witchcraft and emulations and murder that God warns against. Uh, his concerns with the kids from the patch was that uh, these were idols that were treated like real babies that one's actually not that strange Uh, the one about E.T. is uh, Mm -hmm. this yeah this was a he said it was a demonic looking alien with godlike powers and occult tendencies who rises from the dead but doesn't go to heaven Mm -hmm. okay so don't come after E.T. E. Yeah, don't, don't you even dare talk about E.T. Mm. E.T. is a saint and everyone knows it. <laughs> um, so this all came from an Orlando Sentinel article, and it was definitely poking fun at this guy. There's no doubt about it. But his book had sold 100,000 copies about eight months after being published. And I got to be honest with you, that's a little scary to me.
1: There's 100,000 people that wanted to own
0: that book. Uh Uh-huh. And then here's the second connection. Uh, Bill Gothard also took issues with the dolls. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, he is a Christian minister who founded the Institute in Basic Life Principles and then the Advanced Training Institute. This is a fundamentalist Christian homeschooling group. It's the same one that the Duggar family follows. Or okay. followed. I, I don't know how old those kids are. The show got canceled. I don't know, but it's what they followed. In case that might be why it sounds familiar to you, if it does, um, he, he had a little a little incident back in 2014, and we'll just say he stepped down from his position. Oh. Uh. I found a blog written by a woman who was homeschooled through ATI that he developed, and she was in a seminar, and he was known for his seminars, where Gothard said that Cabbage Patch dolls had been given demons, satanic foreign, excuse me, they had been given demon, satanic, and foreign god names, which were allowing Satan to have ground in people's lives and in their homes. The evidence was anecdotal stories of children waking with night terrors, but these night terrors stopped when the dolls were not only removed from their home, but they were also ceremoniously burned. So
1: I'm only laughing because I'm imagining parents waiting in line for hours and hours and hours to get these dolls, knowing that right down the street, Joe Schmo is burning it.
0: Here's what I love about you, Nikki. You're pragmatic. (laughs) Why are you going to spend $250 on this hand stitched doll and then throw it in the flames? It
1: doesn't make any sense. You could have resold that.
0: Right. I, the whole thing, I can see how somebody might be like, I mean, is this for real, though? But it said, you know, it, I, there was a comment underneath her blog from someone else who said that her parents did the same thing and burned their doll when they Gosh. were younger. Um, and then there were even more stories. I found a a Gawker article and we'll link to that. So questions?
1: (laughs) So many, so (laughs) many, but you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll visit those references in the show notes on our website and I'll educate myself.
0: Yeah. Go look at some crap.
1: (laughs) I don't understand Cabbage Patch Kids. I, uh, I, I, I don't remember wanting one. Like, I, I think what you pointed out at the beginning is that maybe it was a little tiny bit before my time. I don't really mm-hmm. remember wanting one. I definitely remember friends having them. And then having older friends remembering having them as, like, this really special thing. Um, so we took my daughter last year. I had this really big fear Babyland General was going to be super creepy. Again, mm-hmm. it is a really nice little place. Not little. It's a very nice big place. I felt like the dolls were not cheap, but I didn't feel like they were $250 expensive. I felt like right. if you were buying a Christmas present or a birthday present, it's a nice treat for your little one. Um, mm-hmm. It was a fun day trip. It's up, like you said, up toward North Georgia. It's just a pretty part of the country anyway. It's worth going. I just don't understand the allure of Cabbage Patch Kids.
0: It, yeah, it's not for me. And I'm not, I'm. I'm honestly, I'm just... Like you said a few episodes back, I'm just reporting the facts that I read. (laughs) Because I just thought it was so, I'm sitting here looking for like something fun to report. And I ran across 15 articles that are literally titled things like this. The dark underbelly of the Cabbage Patch Kid. And I was like, crap, I've seen 15 of these now. We got to talk about it.
1: I, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention. I never, I never would have known that link. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, look, they're not all $250. Those are hand-stitched ones uh, that are harkened back to those original dolls that um, Robert sold at the fair. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, he's built an empire. He's obviously very marketing savvy. Uh, he found something that, work, uh, that works. I, I saw that 250,000 visit babyland each year. That blows my mind. Yeah. So they're doing something right. So just because it's not for me and just because it's not necessarily for you, uh, you know, it is a quirky thing that's here in Georgia. Um, so I I love seeing quirky things and I love a little kitsch and that's bringing the kitsch and, and so much more. Um, but just wanted to share that kind of weird and a little twisted history behind just a little doll. That's crazy. Just and then I'm just gonna end it like this. Man, I sure am glad that I was a Teddy Ruxpin girl. <laughs> and that, my friends, is this edition of Extra Sugar.